0: you are called in like a firefighter. Like you have a moment in time where you go in and you're gonna take care of this one small piece of the problem and, and that's it. And then, then you have to back away and let go. But you don't come in to save the world every time. That's not what you're there for. You're there for, to, to act as God's instrument of mercy for that season, for that moment. And that is good.
1: Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Jennifer Thomas, TBHC's marketing director. We are excited you're joining us today to hear stories of foster care and adoption and how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Curry, president of TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're with us. My guest today is Odell Trafenstedt. Dell, he and I met at our SBTC annual meeting some time ago, and we had breakfast together. Dell grew up in Oklahoma and California, but is now in Odessa, Texas, serving as senior pastor at Mission Dorado Baptist Church. He has adopted three kids from TBHC and has two biological children. All kids are spread out from ages four up to 25 years old. Dell's story is redemptive, and I hope today can inspire you in what adoption is all about. He joins us today wanting to support TBHC's ministry of bringing kids home. Dale, thanks so much for sharing your time with us today. Jason, thank you. It is my pleasure. Well, I really appreciate it. I've been uh, kind of watching on Facebook, and I'm I'm curious, what has inspired your uh, woodworking? I'm just, I really love seeing that. That's kind of a hobby of mine.
0: Uh, extreme boredom. That would be the primary thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I used to do it when I was younger, and uh, through marriage, kids, the army, and, and whatnot, I just got away from it, and then we found ourselves with an obscene amount of time on our hands. And so, uh, I needed to get my kids engaged and, and my wife engaged. And so, uh, we started, I went out and bought a saw and, uh, just kind of dusted off a lot of the old tools and old skills Yeah. and ended up building two complete farm tables from scratch, two benches, mm-hmm. uh, bookshelves, some shelves. I mean, I built a ton of stuff over, over three or four months. So, yeah, it, they're, they're beautiful works Thanks. of art
2: as I like to say. So that's really cool. Uh, First of all, thank you for your service uh, to our country. That means a lot to me. Thank so, you. thank you for that. Kind of tell us your bringing kids home story.
0: Well, um, well, I'll try to give you the short version, and then you can ask me more detailed questions about it. So, uh, we had discuss- my wife and I had discussed adoption throughout our twenties, and it just never, you know, for a variety of reasons, it never felt right. Uh, um, God obviously had a, a big part in that. We we were by no means ready at that point in our faith walk uh, to to go through what we ended up going through. But then we go into our our 30s. You know, we, we had a daughter who was, when we started the process, I want to say she was 15. Um, and, you know, it just looked like God was not going to bless us with any more biological children. And so we were like, okay, let's think through this some more. And after careful thought uh, and prayer, uh, I was like, no way. Under no circumstances am I going to adopt or foster children. I'm out. Like this is this is terrible. Like all the stories are bad. Didn't I wanted nothing to do with it, to be honest. And my wife had a complete, uh, a completely different heart. Um, and so we she prayed for me um, through through over about a year. Uh, during this year time frame, we became aware of a child who was a, who had his parental rights terminated. So he's a true orphan in custody of the state of Texas in a foster home. Uh, and we had a sort of a distant um, connection to this child. And so she came in one day, I walked in the door from work. Uh, I just started back to seminary. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'd, I'd been going to seminary. Uh, I wanted to go on the mission field. And she was like, Del really I want you to look at this picture. And she explained a story and she's like, I think, I think we should consider this. And so um, what I heard her say was, Dell, if you're the man I think you are, you're going to do this, and if you're not, then oh well, buddy, we need to have a serious talk and so i i, I kind of took it as a challenge I did and and I, I went okay let's let's go meet him and so that was my first step was let's just go meet him let's let's do that. I was very much still against it. She was all in uh, I walked in the door to that we drove down to Houston where he was at. we were in Dallas. Uh, went in went to the house and uh, met Tyson Traff instead uh, for the first time when he was just short of two years old and so um, the moment I met him I was like okay like absolutely I'm in like th- this is going to happen what, what do I got to do and so I'm the type of person my personality is wired like once I make a decision I want to just go full speed ahead and so we went to, uh, you know, we went to the different seminars we've gone and met with, uh, our, our counselor at TBH at that time. And we started the process, started going to the classes. Um, I think we did the classes as fast as you could do them. I mean, we, we didn't have a weekend off. We went straight through all the pride classes and pride training and, and, and uh, all that stuff. Uh, I don't think we missed a weekend. I mean, we went straight through, um, during the middle of the process, our, our counselor at the time through TBH just was just feeding us information about, you know, the need for foster parents and Christian foster parents and um, how big the need was in Texas and, and particularly in the region we were at. And so we prayed through it and we were, we were just like, okay, let's, there's a need, we're equipped. Um, it's God's will that we take care of orphans and widows. I don't have to, I mean, that's in the Bible. Like you can read that it's, it's there. And so I went, okay, then let's, let's dive into fostering. And so we did, um, we, we started to foster kids before Tyson came home. And so that became a path. We started off with respite, um, did respite care. I think we had a half dozen respite kids come through our house. Uh, Got our first placement, our first full-time placement. Um, That was just a really incredibly uh, poignant, uh, hard, painful experience, Um, but for the right reasons. I mean, we loved the baby. He was an infant, and uh, he ended up going home and then ended up actually getting adopted after that. Uh, But that, that was really hard on us because of how everything happened in his story. And so, uh, we took a break. Uh, I needed, I needed a month or so to, to heal. Um, one of the great things that TBH offered was, was access to, to counseling. And I took advantage of that because I was, I was devastated after, uh, that, that infant went home and, um, it was just hard. I mean, it was just coming to grips with the brokenness of the situation and, and the brokenness in the world and, and how kids are treated. And, um, and then uh, I was ready to dive back in. My wife wasn't, uh, but I was. And so the phone call came to me first, not her. And so I, I signed up for uh, two more uh, full-time placements. And um, their, initial, uh, their initial sort of design was, was reunification was, was the goal. And then that switched. Uh, And it became somewhat of a long process uh, working through that situation that actually ended up in a a fairly significant legal battle. Um, And uh, we won. Uh, So ultimately, we ended up adopting um, Mary and Connie, uh, our two daughters now. Uh, They were our last two foster placements um, that we had. And um, it's just been throughout the process, one of the things that I always tell people that God taught me uh, was, I truly understand grace. I truly understand, uh, what it means to be adopted in the family of God. Um, I have, a, I have three very real examples uh, of what God did to me in my, in my house every day. And, uh, just the grace of, of God putting a family together the way he did and our love and devotion to one another. And, uh, we all have our, our warts. We all have our rough edges. Um, my kids, my three adopted kids are no different than my biological kids that way. I mean, they, we all have problems. We all have issues. Uh, it's grace which sustains us. It's, it's the Holy Spirit working in us through the gospel, which changes us and conforms us all to be like Christ. And and so, you know, I, all of that kind of crystallized for me, which helped me in my ministry. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a much better uh, pastor. I'm a much better Christian uh, member of a church than than I was prior to this adoption story and journey. Um, it's just amazing. The blessings truly don't end. I mean, it's just a picture of God's grace. Every time I see my kids, you know, it's amazing. I I praise God for it. I'm thankful for it. So that's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Uh, there's, there's lots of pieces in there that we could spend hours talking about, but I'll let you kind of direct us from there. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that.
2: One of the things that really stands out that grudging, yes, if you will, kind of unpack it, what it was for you, because I, I'm sure there's a lot of men and even women that thinking about this process and they're, they're contemplating it. So I'd love to hear you kind of unpack that a little bit more for us.
0: Okay. So I do not believe every Christian couple is called to adopt. I do not believe that's wrong. Like that's, that's a wrong position. That's a wrong place to come from. I do believe that every church uh, is called to support adoptive and foster care ministry i truly do in some way shape or form uh, your church should be engaged in it um, i have on my staff uh, we, we give one of my staff members time to work with casa uh, she is a casa and so we we encourage her we support her um, and through her then we we support um, some foster ministries in the area and, and reach out to foster kids in that way um, and then we're looking at how to, we can expand that here at Mission Dorado, but that's just this church. Um, I was the church I was at at the time we went through these adoptions. Uh, we were sort of their first foray into supporting, um, foster parents and adoptive parents, particularly to the depth we were involved. And it, it truly takes a church, uh, to do that. So a church of, let's just say 150 was, it, it took almost all of that church's resources to support one family that was going through the level of placements we were, But the way we did it, and I'll get back to your main question in a second, but the way we did it was, you know, when, when the kids came into our home, um, even if they were just respite kids, some of those respite kids went home when they left our, our house. Um, We tried to give them everything that we thought they would need. And so, you know, when you think about having a baby and everything that goes into that it's expensive. Okay. Now imagine having, Twelve babies in a year. Okay. <laughs> well, I was making. I was not making that much money, and uh, we were able to support those kids and clothe those kids and send those kids off with a bed and blankets and everything they needed because of our church. Our church supported us. And so, you know, one of the the things that causes us to say no first is usually financial. You know, if we're if we're if we're thinkers and we're processing, we're like, man, it's expensive. But you know, there's there's a ton of resources in churches in Texas. I mean, we are in ridiculously wealthy. And so there's plenty of money. It's just getting people to have the heart to give to it. And so so money was an issue for me because I knew it was expensive. I just didn't know how expensive it was gonna be. Um, so that was one issue. Uh, but if I dive down deep into just the heart issue I had and the kind of that grudging, why didn't I want to? Uh, it's the same reason that that every Christian in America struggles with suffering, right? So Christians in America, and I'm speaking very generally, but we don't suffer. I mean, we, we truly don't suffer. Um, suffering is something that is foreign to us. The concept is foreign to us. Uh, we don't have to go through what our brothers and sisters in close countries like Iran or China have to go through. Um, we, you know, we don't know anyone who's been beaten and arrested for their faith, you know, in downtown Denton or in downtown Dallas. And so suffering is just off of our radar. And so we are less willing as as a Christian church in America to suffer. This is my personal opinion, okay? But this is based upon now five years of pastoral experience. (laughs) Suffering is just not something on the radar of most Christians. And so thus, when we're asked to put ourselves in the position of suffering, we're incredibly reluctant because, hey, I'm a Christian. Things are supposed to go well for me. My life is supposed to be all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. I'm not supposed to have hardship uh and so so if we can get past that like if we can actually get them to look at the bible and go no actually suffering is a part of your faith that, that's a key part of it like the world is not in alignment with your value system and so once you start living the christian faith you're going to suffer it's just going to be a part of it okay so it's going to look different here in america than it does overseas but suffering's a part of it okay so then we go okay i'm going to accept the suffering i can't control but now you're asking me to do suffering that I can control, like take a child into my home. And so it's, it's getting their heads around that. Like this, it's a major impact. A baby, a biological baby birth you know, from your spouse is a huge impact. Now you want me to take this six-year-old child with a history into my home. That's a whole other level of, you know, of, of junk that I'm going to deal with. And so it's just working through those pieces from what is Christianity, and that's where we have to start as Christians. And, and what am I called to by my Savior? And how am I to live my life? And what am I submit to submit to? And you start working all the way down to, am I called to, to take this child into my home or am I called to support in another way, right? Through giving or something along those lines. Well, I work through that process. Now, the, the thing is, is I work fast and sometimes I look before I leap. So I was aware of the problems that I was going to have to come to grips with even as I dove in headfirst. And so a lot of it for me was working through it as I had this child in my home. Or as it turned out, we ended up with all three um, as foster kids at one time. And, you know, all of them with various issues and things going on and doctor's appointments. And uh, my, one of my kids didn't sleep. You know, that wasn't something she was interested in doing for about six months. And so it was trying to stay awake and and deal with all of that. And and it was a lot of me going, okay, Lord, what am I learning about my faith through all this? And it was, well, Del, you're learning how to die to self because you are ridiculously selfish. And so I just went, Lord, you're right. I've, I've got nothing to say to that. And so I need to dive deep into my faith. And I did. I started to study my Bible harder. And I tried to understand what it truly meant to die to self, what agape love looked like and, and all of those things. And, and it was just unpacking and unfolding. And so it was, it was just coming to grips with truly what Christianity is. I mean, that's what it boiled down for me. And then it was, um, after I thought through all of that, it was, do I trust the church to do what the church is supposed to do? And, and in the case where I was at, oh man, they, they nailed it. Um, they were ahead of us, you know? I mean, they were like, yes, what do you need? Let's We're going to write those checks. Like, that's not going to be the problem. You know, like, you may, you know, and so, you know, diapers, done. Like, a bed, done. Like, someone sitting outside my front door because of an angry family member, you know, done. Like, it didn't, all of that was the church being the church. And so, I think if you can come to grips with what your faith truly is as a Christian, and you can understand what you're called to, and then you are a part of a local healthy church, then you can start asking that question, am I called to adopt? You know, am, am I called to take the child into my home? And, and I think a larger percentage are called to it than actually do it, um, are, are, are capable of doing it. And so um, I think it just ultimately boils down to understanding what your faith is. Now, because you may be called to, to suffer in a different way for your faith. You know, it may not be adopting. It may be going on the mission field to a third world country. It may be something else right but we're all called to die to self and and to to put to to turn our love outward you know that's what agape is that outward other love and to do that so that's sort of how i came to grips with it my wife was much the same way neither one of us truly knew um it it bonded us as a couple in in ways that couldn't have happened any other way you know we 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 were put under tremendous stress you know as we're sitting there looking at each other at 3 a.m with three kids with the flu vomiting, you know, you know, that all just hit our house at one time. And, oh, by the way, we got court in the morning, you know, and it's just, we're like, okay, this is love, baby. You know, this is it. This is why you, this is what you married me for. And it's, it's kind of that moment. And we just kind of laugh, you know, we look back at it now. We're like, that was so good. God was so good to us to to give us that. Because now when problems come, it's like, whatever, you know, we've gone through some some serious fire and so uh, you know it bonded us but it was all part of that process of learning how to die to self
2: that's really powerful great reminders i mean some really important points there you got to have a church family backing you up christ came and he wants us to die to who we are and accept who he wants to be inside of us so that's really really important you talked a little bit about I wrote down turning point. You really gave us a good picture of that. The aspect of your healing, going through that counseling. I'm thinking about a lot of our families. When you think about the going back to that counseling and and recovering from that placement, if you will, I know I've had personal experience in that regard. Mm -hmm. Dive into that a little bit for us. Why is that okay? Because so many people going to a counselor is almost taboo in
0: our Christian culture. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep um so counseling for a christian should should contain a component of discipleship right so um so when i think of counseling to me one of the ways i think it's biblical it's i think it is discipleship and so um for for people who are opposed to it then i i go okay well how do you counsel through problems you know how how do you deal with someone who's struggling with repetitive sin and so Or something that's addictive in nature, um, pornography, or something like that. Because, you know, there's, I'm not talking about clinical counseling, you know, that's not what we're doing, but we're doing spiritual counseling and building the structure and the framework. And we may need to include a clinician in there, and that's fine. It's okay. Um, For me, um, I was just desperate because I'd never been wounded that deeply that quick. And so um, to me, I had never done any type of clinical counseling in my life. And I sort of had that same attitude of like, if my faith is strong, I don't need that. You know, it's just, and then I was just cut deep to my heart. And, um, and it, I went in and, and I only had two, I had three sessions. I think we we had like one, I had one individual, and we did like two family sessions. And it was, it was just, it was us learning how to grieve. You know, we suffered a loss and, I had suffered losses before, but it was sort of the programmed type of losses that we all go through from loss of a, a family member and, and so on. And this one was a loss that we did to ourselves, and we just didn't have a way to process. You know, I didn't as an individual. I just did not know how to process this loss. I didn't know what to pray for. Like, what do I pray for? Like, the child went home. I mean, that's what's <laughs> supposed to happen. And so uh, it was. It was just I had to be. I had needed someone else to walk beside me, to help me to process the things I needed to pray for, to praise God for, to lament. And it was, and it's, it's so unique in that foster care situation. Um, you do need the help and it's good to have that. And so then I, I went through it and I was like, this is really good. My family needs this because we're all going through this. And so then we went in as a family and it was me, my wife, and uh, my then 15-year-old daughter. And I'm sitting in there, and, and this was the eye-opening moment for me, as I'm sitting there grieving and listening and uh, talking. And all of a sudden, I hear my 15-year-old daughter talking about how, how wounded she is and how this is, this is challenging her faith. And, I, and it just clicked. I was like, I wasn't even thinking about her. You know, once again, there's that selfishness, right? And so it was, it was just all around such a good thing. And, and what pushed me to it was just desperation in the moment. Um, because I had no other way to process it, but I and I knew I needed to, right? I knew that there was God had some mechanism to get me through this, and it was a Christian psychologist, you know, or a Christian psychiatrist. It was a guy who's licensed, he's a clinician, he's a Christian, and he was able to 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 help us through each of those things and those steps. And by the end of those three sessions, you know, I think it was over like Four or five weeks, we were we were good. I mean, we were still hurting and healing, but we had a path, a process, and a plan.
1: Hi, I'm Jamie Hogan, Executive Program Administrator at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption Services. Did you know there's over seven thousand children waiting for adoption today? Did you also know that Texas has thirty thousand children entering foster care every year? At TBHC, our hope is to provide the highest quality of care for kids who are coming from really hard places. We work to make sure that children in our care have a safe and loving home and that their dreams have no limits. What if you could be a part of making those dreams possible? I'd like to invite you to join the thousands of people who help TBHC meet the needs of children by going online to tbhc.org and clicking the donate button. Our ministry depends on supporters like you to help bring kids home. On our website, you can also find out more information about our agency, inspiring stories, and ways to pray for TBHC kids. To find out how you can make an impact on children in foster care, check us out at tbhc.org.
2: That's, that's really important. I, I hope everyone who steps into this world will realize that, okay, you, they have permission to hurt. They have permission to have pain. Let's do something that I don't get to do a lot kind of give us a, a snapshot of today because I know it's always been perfect ever since adoption day, right? Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, so kind of give us an update on
0: that. Well, we had a, a nearly two year legal struggle with our girls. And so that we, we felt like we were in limbo for a while and then we got past that. And then we went into this season of just trying to be normal. Uh, and for the most part, you know, I, it's hard for me to remember not having adopted kids, so I can't think through like what it was before because we had one biological child who was an angel. Um, well, here let me let me tell you where we're at. So our oldest daughter's out of the house. Okay, ten years in, she's she's married, has her own career, um, and so it's the three adopted kids are our bigs, and then we have the youngest, our youngest biological child. He's he's almost five. Okay, so in my home, I've got these four um, these four kids, three of which are adopted, one of which is biological, but that's, we don't think about that at all. Like I just think about my kids. Okay. The problem child in my house is the four-year-old. Okay. I need help. If any of you like want to just offer, he is spoiled, rotten. He's a disaster. Uh, he terrorizes the three bigger kids. Uh, there's a complete, there's no difference. There's no lines. There's no, I'm an adopted kid. I'm a, I'm a biologist. There's none of that. He just, Tyson just knows, uh, excuse me. Seth just knows that his big brother Tyson is black, and he's not. He doesn't care. Like he, I just want to climb on top of him. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to pound on him and wake him up. Um, There is no like they, they've just grown up in this 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 world where that's normal, and we've never hid the fact. We talk about adoption. We support adoption. They know they're adopted, and you know Seth. So Seth will sometimes ask us well when was I adopted you know and so I'm like well you weren't you came out of mommy's belly and he's like well what about Tyson well I want to be adopted you know and so we have these types of conversations in our house and um and so and, and we we get to ask or we get to answer the questions from the four-year-old and it's now uh the the 10 11 and 12 year old answering the questions that the four-year-old asks and so he'll go hey why was I not adopted? And Tyson's like, well, God puts together families in different ways, Seth. This is just the way, how he works. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> what he said, just go with that. That's and uh, it really is. And it's just, it's an amazing thing. Um, you know, my kids have normal kid problems. I have, you know, three kids approaching puberty at the same time, pray for me, okay? And And they're all just having those normal problems and things. I have two kids that started youth Uh, this week they started in the youth group and so we just simply deal with the problems that every other parent deals with you know our kids we don't hold them to a higher standard because of anything they're we just let them like be kids like do that just be what you are the age you are Um, we do periodically have some external stuff come in Uh, like we've experienced some racial stuff um in in just about everywhere we've lived, uh, typically you know we close ranks, we talk about it, we talk through it, we talk why it's just it's sin and it's an expression of sin in the world, and it's been here since Genesis chapter three, and it will be here until Jesus comes back. And it doesn't really it doesn't impact us and our love, and and so our kids kind of deal with that you know a little bit. Um, what's really interesting to me is it it's multifaceted. So uh, from every community and ethnic background. Uh, we get some type of static at times. So um, that's been interesting. And my son catches, my son is the most sensitive to it. He's the oldest. Um, and so he catches all of it. And he's like, you know, it's, it's the same problem with everybody, dad. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. And so uh, when we talk through it, he's, he's able to deal with that. But generally speaking, if you had, you know, if you were uh, able to just um, take away the tint of our skin colors and look at us all as just one homogenous unit, you would not know a difference between my family and anybody else's family. Yeah, that's, that's powerful.
2: I know that the most important thing to you, these are my kids. It doesn't matter where they came from, which belly they came out of. They're my kids. What do you think the most important thing you would want everyone to know about foster care and adoption?
0: I try to, I, I, I tend, I've, I've been able to counsel people. So the previous stop before I came here was able to, to like mentor several couples into foster care. Um, And I always aim towards foster care because I see that as the bigger need. Um, Although they're both, I mean, they're both huge, but um, I want them to know that I I try to pass on to them what I learned in that very first counseling session I went through, which is. If you're called to this ministry, if you're called to be a foster parent, you are called in like a firefighter, like you have a moment in time where you go in and you're going to take care of this one small piece of the problem. And and that's it. And you, you can pour yourself into that and and you can take care of, of that issue for that season, for that time. And then then you have to back away and let go. Like there's going to be recovery. There's going to be more that happens down the road but you don't come in to save the world every time. That's not what you're there for. You're there for to, to act as God's instrument of mercy for that season, for that moment. And that is good. Like that is really good. And that is what God calls many people to do. And I try to take them back to like their own faith journey, how people disciple them over time. None of us, most Christians do not have this one person that disciples us from cradle to grave. What we have are a series of people that God lines up through the, through his providential power, through the Holy Spirit that pour into us at different seasons and at different times. And they all unpack a piece of God's truth in our hearts. Like as we interact with the word, then we have this individual who's a 55 a year old business person who comes in and, and teaches me this one thing, or it's a 42 a year old, you know, uh, pump operator, or it's this this, um, you know, this, this 73-year-old grandmother who comes in, and all of these people play a part in our faith journey. Well, it's like that when you're a foster parent, like you're coming in to, to play one small piece, one small part of this child's life, and you come in, and you do that as to the best of your ability, and then you, you, you let go, and that's what happens in our discipleship journey. It's the same thing that happens to that child. You have an opportunity to do the same thing that so many hundreds of people have done to you in your faith journey. And so think of it that way. I try to talk them through that and, and that helps kind of bring it to, and I learned that in that one counseling, the first counseling session I went to uh, when I was trying to recover from that, that pain and, and it, it helped me to kind of crystallize everything like, Oh, okay, this is the mission. This is what I'm doing. I'm here for this season. It could be six weeks. It could be six months. It could be 60 years right? You, you don't know. And you just come in and you start working. You focus on what's in front of you and that one small piece. And then if you get more, praise God, if not, you, you get ready for the next one. Yeah, that's really powerful.
2: I hope everyone, um, everyone grasps what you're saying because it's so important. It's the season. It's quick. It's getting in there and doing it. I know for me, is there something, um, I didn't ask you
0: that you'd like to share just for pastors, educate yourself. Um, Particularly pastors in Texas, Um, there are lots of you know if you're in the Dallas area, if you're in the 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 TBH area, certainly um, partner with TBH. Like go take a tour, go meet Jason, plug in, learn about the foster care system. You know this is not I'm not talking about taking months. This is a day. Like in a day, you can learn enough information to figure out how your church can help right away. Uh, If you're not in that area, go find um go find uh, an agency in your area like th- they you can probably contact TBH and they can help you find somebody in your area uh if not uh contact CASA in your area and ask them uh, the the organization CASA C A S A the court appointed special advocates um they can sometimes help you point to, to a need in an area um support members of your if your church if so what you need to do as a pastor is like get the knowledge um, and then start discerning what you have in your church and who might be interested in what and, and point people in, in that direction. Um, I've never had to go solicit people to help with this. They've always just kind of come to me. Um, and so once you once you have the knowledge as a pastor, what you're going to find, I think, is that the Holy Spirit then starts bringing people to you uh, to, to, to engage. Um, have, uh, you know, talk about it Sunday morning, you know, to have a have a time. You don't have to base your whole sermon around it. It can be just a special missions moment because it is missions. Okay. It's a missions outreach. Um, and talk about foster and adoptive care, ask Jason to come and preach at your church, um, ask uh, somebody else who who's been an adoptive or foster parent to speak, to do devotional, to do a testimony uh, I would like pastors particularly to do that because our people will only, um, model the faith that we model. As a pastor, your, your people will, are, will only model the faith that you model. So if you never talk about it, if it's not important to you, then it won't be important to them. And so I, I would really challenge any pastor who listens to this to take that step and to learn more about how they can help in foster and adoptive care ministry. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. And uh, just a pleasure to have you on.
0: Thank you, Jason.
2: If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review. And don't forget to subscribe. To everyone listening, thanks for helping bring kids home.
1: Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.